Hey, everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Thanks for tuning in. Today is Monday, August the 24th. This is episode number 985. I'm so excited you guys are here because today, uh, Pastor Phil is back on the show with me today, and we're going to talk. This is part two of our conversation about the prophetic implications of the deal that was recently brokered between Israel and the UAE by our president, Donald Trump. This is a fascinating conversation. Get your pencils out and your paper ready. You're not going to want to miss it. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Thanks for joining me today, you guys. I'm excited because uh, Phil Hopper is back on the show with me today. I know a lot of you listened on Friday and you're kind of bummed. I sort of uh, cut it off right about the 20 minute mark, as is my custom. Uh, but we're back here today and I'm so, uh, I'm learning so much. I've taken at least two pages of notes uh, in the first 20 minutes. Uh, Pastor Phil is someone I greatly respect as both a friend and a Bible teacher. And you guys are going to be really encouraged because he's going to shed new light for you on on what we're seeing happening play out in the news in real time. So last Friday, we talked about uh, President Trump. The Thursday previous had brokered a deal between Israel and the UAE. And immediately I was getting uh, questions from listeners. Hey, how does this uh, relate to prophecy? Does it have any kind of prophetic implication? And I think you guys are going to find out that it very well could. And in fact, uh, it's looking more and more. I mean, as I'm taking notes, I'm like, oh my word, we're living in incredible times. And so uh, Pastor Phil is back. We're going to continue this conversation. And if you guys want more information, I will link back to uh, Phil Hopper, to his church there, to Abundant Life, and also to the series on Revelation. Uh, and uh, you guys are going to be really excited by what they're doing there for the kingdom, just educating God's people about what's happening around them. So my friend, uh, Phil, welcome back to the show. I'm so glad you're here. Always excited to get to be with you, Heidi. Love you and Jay so much. Well, we love you guys too. And you have been just shining really for a while now uh, for your church. And now I'm excited to see your ministry expand because I know so many of my listeners are following you and watching what you're doing. Uh, you guys are doing some pretty cool things. Before we jump into this, you guys are doing some really cool things right there in Kansas City and you're seeing God moving. So can you kind of catch us up to speed about what you guys are doing there at Abundant Life? Yeah, you know, it's so much bad news in the world, but the truth is there's a lot of good news too. The gospel is still good news yep. and God is moving in 20 years of ministry, Heidi, in ways I have never personally witnessed in terms of radical life change and revival genuinely taking place uh, in the heart of men and women who've been far from God that never knew him and others were prodigals or coming back to him mm. and, uh, you know, uh, marriages are being reborn and, and hearts are being radically healed. And we're actually just starting a series on evangelism and going to be teaching and preaching for five weeks in our church, equipping our church for personal soul winning. Crisis creates opportunity for the gospel. That's it right. creates opportunity for conversations. And so we're going to be looking for a thousand members of our church that's going to commit to finding their one that they can personally lead to Christ and then baptize and disciple sometime over the next two years. That's what the church has to get back to doing in the days ahead. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And you've really been doing a great job of just discipling them through the Rona and all the crazy things that are happening. I get letters every single day from people who are frustrated, even afraid 
uh, by what they see happening. But the truth is we're living, this is an incredible time to be a Christian. It's an incredible time to be a Christ follower. It's an amazing, amazing time to be studying God's word. Uh, like Paul in, in, in exhorted Timothy, study to show yourself an approved workman who doesn't need to be ashamed, who can rightly handle God's word. And one of the things I so love about your ministry is that you're teaching people how to rightly handle God's word. It's what we've been trying to do here at the podcast for such a long time. And you've got a really good handle on uh, on biblical prophecy. And as you're watching the events unfold around you, you got to be, I mean, I would think, my friend, you got to be excited. Oh, it's, it, it is exciting. It's so exciting. And, you know, there's a lot of fear and hysteria everywhere. And I understand people fear what they don't understand. They They fear what they don't know. But as Christians, we can live with certainty. And uh, God gives us his word, not to hide the truth, but to reveal the truth. And mm-hmm. so we can be watching and we can be ready and we can prepare ahead of time. And we can say with certainty, we are living in the season of the second coming. No man knows the day or the hour. Uh, it's impossible to try to predict the exact day. People have tried and they have failed. And Jesus said, we will not know. So we really shouldn't even predict a date. But he also gave us signs to look for, and we can say absolutely, we are in the season of the second coming, the time frame for his near return. The reason we can say that is because of the fulfilled prophecies that we have seen happen just in the last century that lay dormant for thousands of years. Mm. It's amazing. And uh, on Friday, we were talking about uh, the implications of... um, of this new deal now that we've been watching a uh, brokered and we're watching things sort of play out. And you took us to Daniel chapter nine. And uh, I'm wondering if you can just really quickly for people who weren't here on Friday and didn't hear it, just do a, like a, I don't know, a, a 90 second recap yeah. so that you can bring us up to speed and then let's pick it up where we left off. Cause uh, this is exciting stuff. Quick recap, Daniel chapter nine verses 24 through 27 gives us what I've called perhaps the greatest or most amazing prophecy in Scripture because it gives us the exact date of Christ's first coming. This prophecy is 490 years altogether as it relates to the Jews, the people of Daniel. Seventy weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city, verse 24. These are weeks of years. That word weeks in the English is heptad in the Hebrew. It's a unit of seven. So we're talking about 70 times seven or 490 years. And so he says, from the going forth of the command, restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. Uh, And we know when that date was specifically, that was March the 14th, 445 BC. And so Daniel's prophesying from that date, March the 14th, 445 BC, when King Artaxerxes of Persia gave Nehemiah the permission to go back and rebuild the city, said count forward 483 years. These are lunar years. I mentioned Sir Robert Anderson, who documents it in the book, The Coming Prince, taking 483 years from uh, March 14, 445 B.C., counting forward exactly 173,880 days, brings you to April the 6th, 32 A.D., Palm Sunday. As Jesus entered Jerusalem on the exact day that Daniel prophesied hundreds of years before. Absolutely amazing. Now, uh, verse 26, 
tells us that he's cut off after 62 weeks. And that's referring to from the completion of the rebuilding of the city. 62 weeks of the 69 weeks, or 434 years altogether. From the completion of the city, Messiah is cut off. Remember, he came into the city under the shouts of Hosanna. And by the end of that week, um, they were saying, crucify him. They were shouting, crucify him. He's cut off. Now, that's the first part of this prophecy fulfilled. Now, Daniel turns his attention to a counterfeit prince, the Antichrist, verse 26, and the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. So he's referring now to this coming Antichrist, this counterfeit prince. And he's associating them with the people that destroyed the city and the sanctuary. This, of course, happened in 70 AD with the Roman 10th Legion and Titus. So he's associating the Antichrist with Rome. And I said um, last time that the 10th Legion were actually Arabs. They were Assyrians. So the implication that the Antichrist will be a European Arab. Now, verse 27, then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. This is what actually begins the countdown toward Armageddon, Daniel's 70th week, or the last seven years of this prophecy that has not yet been fulfilled. Remember, God hit stop on his prophetic clock when the Jews crucified their Messiah. Very soon, that clock is going to start ticking again. It does not begin ticking with the rapture. And I was taught growing up, the rapture is what begins the tribulation. Well, that's not true. The rapture could happen weeks or months before the signing of this peace treaty. When this peace treaty is signed, that this last seven years of this 490-year prophecy begins, a seven-year tribulation. And so people have asked, is it possible that President's peace treaty that he brokered between Israel and the United Arab Emirates is is the treaty of Daniel 9.27? The answer is no. It's not the treaty. But the interesting thing, Heidi, is that this word in Daniel 9.27 for confirm, he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. That word in the Hebrew clearly implies that the Antichrist does not create a new treaty. He does not create a new document. He takes an existing treaty and an existing document and uses it, put teeth in it, and confirm a covenant for seven years. Now, this peace treaty that our president brokered has no time frame to it, has no time limits. This peace treaty will be for seven years specifically. And so I've said it's possible. We don't know for sure. I've said before the best way to interpret biblical prophecy is once it's happened. Well, this hasn't happened yet. Right. But we can say, considering that Israel has not signed a peace treaty with any of her Arab neighbors for 25 years, mm-hmm. now suddenly she has. Very significant. We can say it's possible. Mm-hmm. I might even say probable. Yeah. That this yeah. peace treaty will be very significant in the peace treaty that one day a world leader will sign between Israel and her enemies. Amazing. Yeah. Now, you want me to keep going? I will. I do. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. still taking notes. Yeah. All right. Now, look at what it says in verse 27. But in the middle of the week, 
for three and a half year point of the seven year tribulation, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. This is how we know that as a part of the seven year peace treaty, uh, the Jews are going to be allowed to rebuild their temple, which they have not had a temple in almost 2,000 years when the Romans came and tore it down in 70 AD. Temple is very, very crucial. The Orthodox Jewish worship. If you go to the Holy Land, I hope one day, Heidi, you and Jake can come with me. Me too. We will go to the Wailing Wall. The Wailing Wall is all that's left of that temple at the time of Christ, torn down in 70 AD. It was basically the retaining wall of the temple. You see Orthodox Jews there. What are they praying for? They're praying for two things, the, ret- the, the coming of their Messiah and the, the ability to rebuild their temple. Without a temple, they cannot worship. They cannot worship according to the Levitical sacrificial system. So the fact that he breaks the peace treaty in the middle of the week, or the three-and-a-half-year point of the tribulation, and outlaws or bans the Levitical worship, the sacrificial offerings, tells us, as a part of this peace treaty, the Jews are going to be allowed to rebuild their temple. Mm-hmm. And we know they will because Second Thessalonians 2 tells us that the son of perdition, this lawless one, is going to go into the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God, demanded to be worshipped as God. So he breaks the peace treaty midway through. He uh, begins to persecute the Jews. Matthew 24, Jesus calls this the abomination of desolation. And that is the abomination of desolation is when he desecrates the temple, sitting on the throne in the temple, proclaiming himself to be God, demanding to be worshipped as God, that begins what Jesus calls the great tribulation, such as never been seen since the beginning of the world or will never be seen again. This is where he tells the Jews, you better head for the hills. Mm-hmm. If you're not, you better not even go back to your house. You better hope you're not nursing a child. You better head for the hills and you better hide yourself because all hell is about to break loose. And the persecution of the Jews at this time will make the Nazi Holocaust look like a picnic. Mm. And that happens midway through the week. It says he shall bring an end to the sacrifice and the offering. By the way, remember Revelation 13. What happens? An image of the beast is erected. That word in Revelation 13 image is icon, from which we get the English word icon. Remember, mm. John is writing with the limit of first century language. He is describing things there is no human language yet uh, to fully describe. Hmm. So they're not actually worshiping the beast himself. They're worshiping an image of the beast that, by the way, the false prophet says is given, gives this image breath. You study my Revelation series, I'm convinced it's nothing less than a human clone, mm-hmm. the Antichrist, having received a deadly head wound. Satan counterfeits even the resurrection of Christ. Up to the three-and-a-half-year point, he's not worshipped as a god. He's followed as a world leader. He's followed as a great peacemaker. He's followed as a political leader that has brought the nations together. Revelation 13 says that there is an assassination. He receives a deadly head wound. Now, Satan cannot give life. He can only take life. God alone is the life giver. So what does Satan do? He counterfeits the resurrection. That's why John says the world worships the image of the beast that's been given breath. 
Why do we worship Jesus? Not because he died, but because of what he did after he died. He mm-hmm. resurrected from the dead, proving he was God. And now is when they start to worship him as a God. That happens midway through the week. Says he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering on the wing of abomination shall be one who makes desolate even until the consummation, which is determined, is poured out on the desolate. Now, one other thing I might add about this, something will have to happen to create this current, the, the situation geopolitically for this peace treaty. And I'm convinced what happens is the battle of Gog and Magog of Ezekiel 38. We know there's going to be a Russian-Arab coalition that attacks Israel. And we know, according to Ezekiel 38, God miraculously intervenes for them, saving Israel, decimating their military. We know that Russia wants to be a world power again. They need the Arab oil to do it. We know the Arabs want to eliminate Israel from off the face of the map, and they need the Russian military to do it. So you have an alliance made in hell there. Now, why haven't Israel's enemies attacked her yet? Because there is what they call Big Satan in the West, protecting little Satan, Israel. Yep. Yep. They know the U.S. cavalry will come if they do. They're not going. Not just because we are Judeo-Christian. We're no longer increasingly a Judeo-Christian nation. We are becoming secular, meaning, uh, you know, the average American politically speak or religiously speaking doesn't have an alliance with Israel. Politically speaking, uh, anyone in charge knows it's not in our interest as a nation to let Israel be destroyed. Mm-hmm. But what happens with the rapture? Well, it decimates the U.S. No longer is the United States a world power. The rapture will completely neutralize the nation, not just our nation. And from that cataclysm of a leadership vacuum, a new leader emerges. And because the United States cannot respond now militarily, uh, this coalition sees an opportunity to attack Israel, and they do. Now, what happens? Because the U.S. is no longer Israel's protector, somebody else steps in where the U.S. once did. And they broker a peace treaty between Israel and her enemies out of the ashes of this battle prophesied in Ezekiel 38, the battle of Gog and Magog. And that is when the world begins to follow this world leader, who it says in Revelation 6, rides on a white horse with a bow but no arrows. The implication is he comes to power under a banner of peace without firing a shot. Mm. He brokers his peace treaty, and the world begins to follow him as he unites then the nations out of global cataclysm. Wow. Okay, so I got. I'm, I'm writing. I'm writing down things so fast that I can't even keep up with you now. So I've got a couple of questions because I know people are going to be asking me. Yeah. Uh, you're teaching from a pre-trib, a pre-tribulation rapture point I of am. view. And so I want people to know that because when I teach uh, on this topic, I don't, I've never gone into it as in depth as you, but that is also the position that I 
come from. And a lot of people are saying right now, because of all this talk about vaccines, because of all the, you know, all the weirdness really that is yeah. around COVID, uh, you know, the mixed messages that we're getting, anybody with eyes to see can see that there's something else is going on. This is not yeah. just about a virus. Well, a lot of people are asking me, hey, is this the, am I going to get the mark of the beast? Like if I get a vaccine and I've talked about this before and I've said, yeah. hey, no, you're going to know, like you're not going to be tricked into getting the mark yeah. of the beast and that when when could we expect something like that to happen so not until we've seen a lot of these things take place right hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Right. Yeah. And I tell people all the time, look, if I'm alive to see the Daniel 927 peace treaty sign, and if you think this peace treaty made the news, the Daniel 927 peace covenant, listen, there is not anyone in the world that won't know about it. So mm -hmm. I tell people all the time, look, if I live to see the Daniel 927 Peace Covenant sign, I'm no longer pre-trip. <laughs> I'll change my mind. <laughs> I'll be pre-wrath. Yeah, right. I'm, conv I'm convinced the church raptured before the wrath of God, before mm -hmm. those judgments begin. Remember, the first part of the tribulation is peace, mm -hmm. prosperity. Mm -hmm. uh, he rises to power with a bow but no arrows. Mm -hmm. uh, leadership always emerges out of cataclysm. So the rapture will decimate the nations. It, it will be the economic Armageddon, the political Armageddon. It will be the reset of the world systems. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so initially there will, there will be some peace. And by the way, second Thessalonians two tells us also that the world will believe a strong delusion. God will send them strong delusion, that they will believe a lie. There will have to be an explanation for what happened to millions of people who suddenly disappear. And there will be a, believe a lie that they see. Um, and so what is the lie? Well, I, I have some ideas. We don't know for sure, but what we do know is it says in Matthew 24, verse 24, Jesus said, beware false prophets and false Christs will come among you that if it were possible, he would deceive even the very elect with what? Lying signs and wonders. Mm. The ability to do miracles. Second Thessalonians 2 9 says that this lawless one, the Antichrist, will deceive the masses with again lying signs and wonders. In other words, he'll have supernatural power. Mm -hmm. He'll have godlike ability. And so the people are going to be delusional. They're going to believe whatever they're told. Mm -hmm. Well, and if there's one thing I'm learning right now is that we are very easily uh, led. You know, I, I we, think we we're very easily deceived and very easily confused and people very easily frightened. Who are people who are scared and people who are in fear are easily controlled. Mm -hmm. Okay. Do you think about the, the pandemonium, the panic? Mm -hmm. The rapture will create as yeah. the nations literally collapse, the economies collapse, the currencies collapse. They're going to follow anybody that gives hope. They're going to follow anybody that seems to have answers of how to come together as the nations yeah. uh, for a 
know, a brave new day, a brave new world, a utopian world, finally. Mm-hmm. When does the mark of the beast emerge? Well, it, first of all, Jesus said, Matthew 24, 24, if it were possible, even the very elect would be deceived. His point is, it's not possible for the elect to be deceived. You will not accidentally take the mark. I've also said recently, the mark of the beast is not associated with a vaccine. Mm-hmm. It is associated with a banking system, a global banking system. You won't be able to buy, sell, or trade. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm not suggesting whether one should or should not get a COVID vaccine. There is not mm-hmm. enough known about it yet for anyone to make an educated decision. Mm-hmm. But I will promise you that you're not going to accidentally take the mark by taking the COVID vaccine. What we're seeing currently, Heidi, with the COVID pandemic is it is creating the mentality needed yep. to unite the nations. It yes. is created, uh, and we are seeing it surface even in the United States, the land of the free. Yep. Revelation 13 describes a universal, global governing system of Marxism. It's a Marxist world system where people have given up personal liberty. For, for the illusion of safety. And, yeah. And, yeah. For safety and security. And that's what the mark of the beast is going to be. It's going to be, mm-hmm. well, it's for my safety, for my security, it's for the security of my children, my family. Mm-hmm. Nobody can ever again steal my ID. Nobody can ever again steal my money. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have to carry a passport now when I go to the airport. Mm-hmm. And we're a global community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's going to be all kinds of reasons why people are going to think it's a great idea. But here's mm-hmm. I promise you, none of, nobody who's born again, blood bought by the true and living Christ is going to accidentally receive mark of peace. Mm-hmm. And it's so important for people to hear that because there's so much fear uh, that's surrounding this right now, right? We're talking, I mean, we're hearing, uh, it used to be, you know, we heard, you know, little whispers of a global economy. Now we're hearing, this is mainstream media now. Now we're hearing talk of a global economy. We know all this stuff uh, is, is uh, we're kind of careening toward the end times right now. And we're watching these things play out. But what I love about uh, studying Revelation is that God's people don't have to be afraid. We don't need right. to live in fear uh, because we know that the Lord's coming back for us. And right. to me, it's this is an incredible opportunity for evangelism. It's an incredible opportunity to like, let's talk about the Bible because people yeah. are interested uh, because we see COVID has really opened the door to a lot of things. One of the things I think is so interesting about studying this and listening to you talk is, you know, we've heard for years, how come the United States isn't mentioned in prophecy? You don't ever hear about a Western, uh, a Western culture in prophecy. Well, you basically just explained it in saying, uh, we're, we're not going to be here. I mean, when the rapture comes, God's people are gone. That's going to neutralize the United States, which is why we don't get mentioned. You know, we're going to kind of be a non-player at that point, right? We will be a player, but we will not be a world power. Yeah. The, the rapture will neutralize the U.S. politically, economically, mm-hmm. and militarily. Uh, even as secularized as our nation has become, there are more Christians per capita probably in the mm-hmm. United States still than any other nation. Whereas you go to parts of Asia or the Middle East, they won't even know the rapture happened until the next day and they watch the news. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas think uh, just conservatively, 25 million Americans suddenly disappear. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine if, if you think COVID shut the economy down? Huh, mm-hmm. Wait. Right. And so 
Yeah, and and so that's the point is the reason why we're not named in the list of nations of the end times is we probably will in some way simply be melded into the kingdom of Antichrist. Mm. We will be part of this global community, but no longer a world power, a world player like we are today. Well, and it's interesting because, you know, I, I used to, we used to sit around the table and say, how could that ever even happen? How could the United States, you know, lose its, its standing in the world? But for goodness sake, what we're watching happening around us, we're going, okay, I can sort of see, I can, you can start to see now, uh, how things could happen just with the unrest in the country. I mean, we're kind of right now, we're kind of well, falling apart from the inside uh-huh. out. Something no politician from either party is talking about is the almost $27 trillion debt that we have yeah. as a nation. Yeah. Heidi, this is how nations collapse. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the truth is it wouldn't take the rapture. And I'm, mm-hmm. and I'm not fear-mongering here. Again, as Christians, we have certainty in a world full of insecurity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it get, we, we have hope where there is no hope. Uh, but the reality is, if you know anything about history, Rome would be an example. No one for 400 years could have fathomed a world without the Roman Empire. They were too strong for too long. You know what? Mm-hmm. There was not another empire that ever conquered Rome. Rome mm-hmm. simply collapsed. It wasn't conquered. Uh, the mm-hmm. U.S. is not going to be conquered from without. Mm-hmm. It's simply collapsing from within. Mm-hmm. And as you've already said, anybody with eyeballs can see it happening already. Th- this is how nations collapse. And uh, I'm not fear mongering to say that we're probably closer than most Americans can fathom or imagine. When we're twenty seven trillion dollars in debt, listen, we were five and a half trillion dollars in debt in 2000. It doubled during the Bush administration to 10 trillion, doubled during the Obama administration to 20 trillion. And now, just three and a half years, almost four years into Trump's presidency, it's up 27. This is runaway debt mm-hmm. that eventually yeah. collapses nations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I, I don't think it would take the rapture. Yeah. Here, here's the deal. I don't think we're going through the tribulation, Heidi. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm prepared to, if I'm wrong about that, I'm prepared to go through the tribulation. I'm prepared to get raptured. I think every Christian should live that way. But listen, nowhere in Scripture does God promise the bride of Christ, even in the West, that we won't go through intense tribulation. Yeah. We have been, as a church, talking about the Western church, we have not known the persecution, trial, the tribulation, as other Christians before us and generations that have come uh, ahead of us, different places. Listen, we don't know anything about the about the real trial of a persecuted church. Now, I'm just saying mm-hmm. we need to be ready. We're not exempt from any of that. I don't think mm-hmm. we're going through the tribulation, but I think we need to brace ourselves for more tribulation than we've ever known in Western civilization. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we'll have an opportunity. I mean, we're having an opportunity right now. We're watching what's happening in churches in California. Yeah. Uh, I know that your church has been uh, experiencing that on a, on a different level, and you guys have had to take a stand. And yeah. the church is going to get to actually be, wait for it, the church. We have yeah. been 
uh, we have been so, we've lived this, this sort of what I call candy, you know, candy cane Christianity here in the United yes. States where we have not experienced persecution. We haven't really even experienced trouble. I mean, the worst oh. trouble I hear about in churches is usually the failure of their own people, oh, uh, the my, failure yes. of their own, their own leadership to actually be who God says. But it seems to me that there is a sifting happening right now and there's a oh, shaking going on is. in the church. And, there uh, is a sifting. yeah. Yeah. And we're seeing things. I mean, I know you are and I am, you know, from my little, we, you know, from our little vantage points in different places of the country. But if we look down at the church from a 35,000 foot view right now, there is a separating happening and it's a big deal. Yeah. It's both exciting and sad. I mean, it's yeah. exciting uh, because the sifting, ha- you know, the, the, the wheat rises to the top. Mm-hmm. You look at the parable, the wheat and the tares, and God is even now separating the wheat from the chaff. And that was uh, the implication of that parable. Um, You know, the church in America is filled with non-Christian people who have never been born again. They've been baptized, but not born again. They they Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. profess Christ, but they don't possess Christ. They say they've become a Christian, but they've never become a new creation. I'm talking about uh, people who are probably good. Mm-hmm. They mean well, mm-hmm. but the, but they're not truly born again. And and if you're if you have a historically been a cultural Christian with one foot in and one foot out, listen, I've made the observation. While well, all these mask mandates have gone out, mm-hmm. everyone is now wearing masks. We're all about to be unmasked. Yep. And your yep. true identity is going to be known. Your true allegiance, your true loyalties. If your loyalty is to anybody or anything else other than the high king of heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ, it's going to be known. And so now's the time to decide. And we have an opportunity. You know, I I I think it's like a it's a, a time of decision. And we're watching it happening, certainly uh, in the church, as I have been here in the Pacific Northwest, just begging pastors to open their churches. And we still have many, many churches that are closed here. But we're also seeing something amazing happening. We're seeing revival. We're seeing the beginnings of the true church, people who are like, you know what? I was I was a lukewarm Christian, but I don't want to be that way anymore. I just I read a letter just a few minutes before you and I started talking today to my husband from a podcast listener, uh, father of four. And he wrote to say, he's like, Heidi, I've been listening. And he said, I started following some of the men that you've been saying, listen to these guys. They're telling the truth. He said, I realized that I have only been playing Christian. He said, I have been a lukewarm Christian. He said, not anymore. My heart's on fire. I want to lead my family well. I want to walk with the Lord. And that's, that's to me, that's exciting. That's that's revival. That's what it, that's it. Yes. And I think we're seeing people wake up. and, And here's the deal. The optics for churches like ours that are meeting and we sued our county and we got lots and lots of hate. I mean, the hate is real. It is. Uh, and and that's why a lot of churches won't meet because the optics are so bad and the liability is real, et cetera, et cetera. But I can tell you this, the churches that have worked hard to gather, we are seeing revival. We have yes. grown during COVID. Yes. Uh, we're seeing a radical, radical life change happen among us during COVID. Yeah. And so I can't imagine at this point sitting it out and just hunkering down and waiting for it to blow over. No, uh, no, I can't. We either. need to have an attack mentality. 
Yeah, like go on the offensive. It's yes. just uh, I saw uh, John MacArthur, and and I've been talking about this for a couple of months. I thought he was a little bit late to the game, uh, but he's not he's not sitting it out anymore. And he said in a quote to Fox News the other day, he said, "You have he said, listen, guys, you have no chance of surviving death. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. The church does not exist to protect people from the flu. It exists Amen. to protect people from eternal punishment in hell." And I was like, "Well, that'll preach," <laughs> you know. <laughs> This is the job of the church. Yeah. So good. And uh, I'm so thankful for voices like yours. And uh, you're you've been really out in front of this thing, just leading uh, the men and women in your area and the thousands and thousands that are watching you online and listening to you guys. I know uh, we are, you know, one of just one of those thousands who are listening. But I just want to say thank you for kind of helping me unpack this uh, for our listeners. And I know, I mean, people... I keep hearing people say, well, they, they, you know, this is a frightening time. I don't think it's time for us to be afraid. I think it's a time for us to be looking toward the heavens and saying, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. We want you to return. Lord, come back. You know, we're ready. We're going to be, you know, trimming our, our, our wicks and, and making sure that those lamps are filled with oil and ready for the return of Christ. And, uh, you've just been leading the way in that. And I'm so thankful for your voice. Thankful for you, Heidi. Listen, we live in times. That can't be as exciting, probably since the book of Acts. I'm talking Mm -hmm. since the early days of Christianity. Yep. Uh, And we have that opportunity to live in those kind of times again, shortly before the coming of our Lord and Savior. He is on the way. He is on the way. And uh, I know you and I, we're going to be, we're going to be waiting outside with, you know, looking up. I I think I told you last time we were together, my grandmother was a Bible teacher and my grandfather was a pastor and grandmother, my grandma loved the book of Revelation. So I grew up listening to her. I mean, she was, you know, drawn things on the whiteboard on, well, it was a chalkboard. There weren't any whiteboards, but she was drawn in diagrams and so excited. And if she was still alive right now, uh, she'd be sitting on the front porch every day, just you know, hands to the heavens, just looking for the Lord to come back because that's yeah. how close we are. And uh, yeah. it's very exciting. Hey, where can people find you online if they're interested in your ministry and would love to hear you? Because you guys uh, stream your services every single Sunday. And I know because I get, I watch it live from, you know, my little neck of the woods here in Washington State. Where can people find you? So it's livingproof.co. That is our website. And uh, that's the best place to go if you want to follow us on Facebook. You can do that, too. But you can catch all of our sermons on our sermon page, back sermons, live stream, the current services uh, sermons. You can also, uh, philhopper.org is a place that you can find the Revelation series uh, if you don't want to go to the website. And I got to tell people, too, you have, I don't know how you guys come up with all this stuff, but you always come up with the most amazing, astonishing illustrations. You know, I never know what you're going to do next. I love that you had the wall up on up on the stage. And I was watching you stand up there saying, hey, we are actually called to be, every single one of us as believers called to be watchmen on the wall and watching for, you know, to say, hey, look out or there's danger coming or whatever it is. And I so appreciate you doing that because you really do. One of the things I so love about you, Phil, is that you really do make the scriptures come alive. This is an exciting time to study God's word and you're really leading people well in it. And uh, I'm so thankful. Heidi, you're one of the great watch watch women of our day. I'm so deeply thankful for you and your ministry. So many of our Abundant Life folks follow Heidi St. John, and I'm just thankful the way you speak into their life and so many others. Love you much. 
I love you too. Hey, you guys, I know you've enjoyed this today. I'm going to link back to all things Phil Hopper in the show notes today. And I want you to be uh, checking out his series on Revelation. I will link back to that as well, uh, as as well as any of the other resources. Phil has written several books, one of which I was privileged to write the forward for. You guys are going to be so blessed and encouraged uh, by what Phil Hopper is doing out of Abundant Life Church in Lee Summit, Missouri. Thank you guys for listening so much. I appreciate what you're doing. Please remember to leave reviews for the podcast over at iTunes. If you get the opportunity and check it out, MomStrong International has a brand new study. We're going to be going through the book of First Peter starting on September in the first Monday in September. So if you're not a member over there yet, this is a great time to do it. Uh, we're going to be teaching you women how to teach your uh, your what you're learning to your children. And uh, it's, I'm so passionate about it. So check it out, MomStrongInternational.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. And I'll see you back here tomorrow. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com.